Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Sports Travel Podcast, where we interview leaders in the sports event industry. This is Matt Traub, Senior Editor of Sports Travel, and our guests today are Lynn Holtzman, the Vice President of Women's Basketball for the NCAA, and Jenny Carnes, the Senior Vice President and Chief Operating Officer of San Antonio Sports, as we discuss the organization's plans for this year's NCAA Women's Division I Basketball Tournament. But before we begin, this episode of the Sports Travel Podcast is being sponsored by the Teams Conference and Expo, the world's largest gathering of sports event organizers and the destinations and suppliers that serve a sports event industry. Teams 21 will be held at the Atlantic City Convention Center in Atlantic City, New Jersey from September 27th through the 30th of 2021. This year's conference will again feature the co-location of the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Sports Program and NGB Best Practices Seminar, as well as the annual symposium of the National Congress of State Games. For more details on everything we have planned at Teams this year, please visit teamsconference.com. And now, on to the conversation. Women's basketball is one of the biggest growth markets in the sports event industry. The WNBA has seen its ratings rise each year, and this past season's wobble season was a resounding success. The biggest source of talent for the WNBA is the college women's game, with powerhouse programs from coast to coast and athletes as recognizable as any men's player. The NCAA Women's Division I tournament has been one of the best showcases for women's sports each year, and this March's event will be no different. Held in a controlled environment in San Antonio, Texas, the tournament, in addition to having broadcasts on ESPN, ESPN2, and ESPNU, will have at least six nationally broadcast games on ABC, starting with the opening day of action on Sunday, March 21st, guaranteeing an audience for every one of its 63 games in total, leading to the championship on April 4th. The women's tournament itself will have first and second round games at the Alamo Dome, Bill Greehy Arena on the campus of St. Mary's, the Frank Irwin Center at the University of Texas in Austin, the University Events Center at Texas State, and the UTSA Convocation Center. Attendance for those first two rounds will be limited to team players and guests, but starting with the Sweet 16 and throughout the rest of the tournament, games will be solely played at the Alamo Dome with a restricted number of fans in attendance. It would also be remiss not to note that San Antonio, like most of the state of Texas, has been hit hard by severe winter weather. Some of the businesses that have longstanding relationships with Sports San Antonio and could use your help include the San Antonio Food Bank at safoodbank.org and the San Antonio Zoo at sazoo.org. We talk with Lynn Holtzman and Jenny Carnes about everything that goes into the planning for this year's tournament from the viewpoint of both the tournament organizers at the NCA and the host destination in San Antonio and what they're both looking forward to the most about this year's event. Enjoy the conversation. Jenny Carnes and Lynn Holtzman, thank you both for joining us today on the Sports Travel Podcast. Lynn, I'll start with you. Um, what made San Antonio stand out as the destination to partner with for a controlled environment set up for this year's NCA tournament? Well, frankly, um, as the Division I Women's Basketball Committee and the staff started evaluating, you know, where we should take the 64 teams, 63 games, we first looked at San Antonio because they were, in fact, selected as our host city for the Women's Final Four. So naturally, we, we knew from that designation, but also the experience San Antonio has had hosting well over 90 NCAA championships, including men's and women's Final Fours. And just the experience with the city that they potentially had the capacity and the ability to execute the level of this historic event. 
And uh, Jenny, from San Antonio's standpoint, what was the attraction in hosting for you the entire tournament? And how long ago did you really first approach the NCAA about the city's willingness in being uh, the centralized host? Well, hosting an NCAA men's or women's Final Four is always so valuable to any host committee or community, especially here in San Antonio. So we aim for that during every cycle, bid cycle. But when we first had the opportunity to think about hosting the entire championship, that obviously was very attractive to the city of San Antonio in our area because being in the middle of a pandemic, when we know the event's going to look different, this was a best case scenario for our community, our hospitality and tourism industry. It just amplifies the overall impact going from four teams to 64. And of course, the duration of the championship itself, the, the room nights start to add up, the dollars being spent starts to add up, and it just is a, a much bigger opportunity for a time in San Antonio that is so needed. Typically, Lynn, uh, the NCAA tournament is hosted in multiple sites across the country. This year, obviously, there's multiple sites, but in a tighter geographic area. What are the main differences that you have uh, as the tournament organizer and planning, and how much work do you then have uh, coordination with Jenny and all of the different sites, not just San Antonio, that you'll be having uh, games at? for the NCAA tournament. Well, the, the amount of work and the differences is <laughs> enormous, to put it lightly. Um, for women's basketball, our Division I championship, typically because our first and second rounds are at 16 different sites throughout the country, and then that moves into a four different location under the current format regional, and then that one final four location. So you're looking at going from 21 different sites throughout the entire country, and then moving that into one geographic area. And, and, and frankly, I think as you put on top of that, you know, doing that within the midst of a pandemic, doing that um, over 1,200 miles away from Indianapolis, where our staff is located, and doing it in a window of time that we have never experienced before to move an event of this magnitude, breadth, and the number of different teams that are involved. So I, I like to use the word that it is historic, and it is for many different reasons, the pressure points really have come both from the, the point in time of which the committee made the decision that we are going to one geographic area. It was through that exploratory phase with San Antonio itself. And as I said before, if they had the, um, if we were able to make it work with what the needs were around competition venues, hotel needs, and then overlaying our medical protocols, for example. And then simply as that, as those decisions were made, that brought us to after the holiday season into the first of the year. So we are effectively reconstructing our championship within about three months here. And, and normally, even just for a women's final four, we're working two years in advance. So two years in advance for three games with a lot of other community activations to um, 64 teams, 63 games come into one area, completely reconstructing the event. And Jenny, as a college, former college basketball player yourself in the San Antonio area, this has got to be a ter terrific experience for you and for all of those venues who are going to get a chance to have uh, tournament games this in March. Well, Lynn hit it. I mean, talk about historic. This is just an opportunity that will never happen again. Once in a lifetime, we feel so fortunate that it landed in the year that San Antonio was already on the books to host the final, the women's final four. So 
it's just an incredible thing being a former women's basketball college athlete. Uh, this is a dream come true for me. And to be able to showcase our other host institutions, not just in, in hosting the final four, but also showcasing their venues here in San Antonio, that's going to be on national TV. So I just, I can't think of a, a better case scenario. I guess a question for both of you. I mean, given how difficult the season has been nationally, obviously for both men's and women's basketball, for any professional sport or collegiate sport that's been going on, is there, I guess the word is would be apprehension or a different word of your choosing about making sure every team makes it to San Antonio and the tournament is able to not just start on time, but then is completed on time? Yeah, I, I think from um, I'll answer first from my perspective from you know the NCAA staff and also our committee is that what is being put around the event itself so that kind of, as you indicated, just trying to make sure that teams are prepared and the medical protocols are being followed prior to arrival in, in San Antonio, once upon arrival, and then moving into a practice period and then immediately into competitions. I, I don't know if I'd use the word apprehension as opposed to overly cautious, you talk about risk mitigation skills and thinking about all the worst case scenarios and trying to ensure that we're setting up the protocols, the infrastructure behind it, um, and being prepared for just everything that could happen around this. So that that is very unique to this year, given given what the pandemic dictates and how we um, mitigate that risk as best as possible to create this safe environment for all involved, in particular, our coaches and our student athletes and our officials, because those are the three groups that we need in addition to with baskets and the court, but that's what we need to conduct the games. And this is, that's what this whole thing is about is we need people safe as they come in safe on arrival safe as we conduct the games. And throughout all of that, we have to put different layers and different strategies in place to mitigate the risk. Jenny, how many backup plans to the main plans do you have to have as the host destination and trying to make sure, you know, obviously it's been, uh, it's, it's a crazy, it's a crazy puzzle that you, that you all have to put together piece by piece. Well, I, I think Lynn hit it there. I mean, this takes contingency planning to a whole different level and I think we're finding every day that we're coming up with things that we have not yet thought of and everything that we have to think through then it generates so many more questions. And so it's really challenging us to look at event planning and implementation in a, in a whole different way. Um, and I, I agree with you, Lynn. I mean, I, I wouldn't want to use the word apprehensive either. Um, we, we certainly in San Antonio we have no doubt that working with the NCA and in conjunction with local and state health authorities, that we can pull this event off successfully and safely for all involved. But we are thinking about things, you know, even at, at a volunteer baseline level, if we have to have so many positions filled, well, what if somebody um, is no longer available because they've been exposed to COVID? Or what if they can't get to a test prior to starting their shift work? So it's just, it's things like that that are really so much different than a, a normal planning year. That's that's really, I hopefully bringing out the best in, in all of us. Lynn, what will being able to hold this year's tournament mean for the NCAA? It's been a year's worth of pandemic and forced cancellations and what will what do you think the NCAA has learned from this season that could be utilized even going forward in a post-pandemic uh, sports world? 
Well, I, I think it, it's not necessarily limited to where there may be learnings to the NCAA. I think just mass gatherings and in particular sporting events, what we've all learned. I mean, even going into this, you know, the, the, th- the takeaways and the lessons that were learned from the way that the NBA and the WNBA in the other professional leagues as, you know, over the past several months as they've conducted, that has provided a lot of, in, allowed us to do a lot of informed decisions up to this point. Coming out of this, you know, as we see generally reported about how our lives are going to continue to be different than they were and whether that is, you know, the next couple of years still, you know, there's questions about masking and how, how long we're going to be doing that as we travel on airplanes and as we go to large mass gatherings, you know, the ultimately in some of these venues, if they're going to take different approaches with the how many seats they you try to put in as opposed to providing for some additional you know, flexibility or distancing, you know, those kinds of things. So it remains, it it remains to be seen, but I think everyone is, there's a different, um, (laughs) I think, sensitivity and um, understanding that uh, coming out of a pandemic that we are going to continue to have to function differently than what we did in, in 2019, for example. Jenny, what do you hope people who have not been to San Antonio before learn about this city during the period of time that the NCAA tournament is in town? It's going to be the eyes of the women's basketball world and even beyond women's basketball. So many people will be able to see some of the sights and sounds that are in your venue. Well, I think I speak for a lot of college basketball fans around the country when I say that San Antonio and Indianapolis are two of the very best Final Four and Women's Final Four host destinations for a lot of reasons. But for those that have never come to San Antonio before and might be traveling here in just a few short weeks, um, not only are we a great tournament town, we are just a great destination. We typically have unbelievable weather in March and April. We have a beautiful downtown scene and footprint, easy to get to venues. The walkability is perfect for events like this. We have the beautiful San Antonio Riverwalk, which is just um, an amazing backdrop for the Women's Final Four. And I think that that visitors will find that they can still get out and enjoy the city, enjoy the destination, enjoy some of our sites and attractions in a safe way. Our tourism and hospitality industry has proven that since things open back up. Uh, our restaurants are trying to rebound. So there's still an opportunity to get out and experience um, what we love so much about San Antonio, the hospitality of our uh, friendly uh, folks here in the city and uh, the culture, uh, more importantly. It's such a, a great city for a very vibrant and diverse culture. So whether you're watching it on TV or you're actually here in person watching the games in the venues, I think that you'll find San Antonio is one of the best places to host an event like this and to to host a historic event like this. So we look forward to it. And um, if you only watch it on TV, come back and visit when the pandemic is beyond us. Well, Jenny Carnes and Lynn Holtzman, I really want to thank you for both for your time. And thank you for being on the Sports Travel Podcast with us today. Thank you. Thanks, Matt. This has been another edition of the Sports Travel Podcast. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe to our podcast on all your favorite platforms, including iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Past episodes are also available at sportstravelmagazine.com, which features breaking news and in-depth features on stories related to the sports event industry. Be sure to visit us daily at sportstravelmagazine.com, at Sports Travel on Twitter and Instagram, and at Sports Travel Magazine on Facebook and LinkedIn. Until then, this is Matt Trout for Sports Travel, and thanks for listening.